Defense Minister Cho Guozhen on Friday responded to a rumor that the U.S. had rejected a Taiwanese procurement request for anti-submarine helicopters. He said he had not received word on the issue from Washington, which would be the normal procedure. A defense researcher chimed in, saying that if the U.S. had indeed rejected the sale, it would likely be due to its assessment of Taiwan's budget and defense needs. The commander gives the order and the troops run forward with their guns. They drop down into a foxhole, alone or in pairs, and survey their surroundings. Taiwan's overhauled reservist training program has entered its final stage, and recruits are busy training to improve their combat readiness. The defense ministry says it is working hard to strengthen the reserve force, while also procuring new arms from the U.S. As part of its Condor 3 program, the Navy had planned to purchase 12 MH-60R Seahawk anti-submarine helicopters from the U.S. and had already submitted its request to Washington. Reports have surfaced that the U.S. State Department has rejected the request on the grounds that the helicopter is unsuitable for asymmetric warfare. However, the Defense Ministry says he has not received word on the issue from the U.S. Arms purchases from the U.S. go through certain procedures. Whether approved or not, I would be notified ahead of time. The U.S. would inform me. However, I have not yet received any notice on this procurement. The MH-60R Seahawk can reach heights of 3,000 meters above sea level, can fly up to 267 kilometers per hour, and can fly continuously for 834 kilometers. It can be equipped with weapons such as light anti-submarine torpedoes and can also suppress the firepower of surface ships, helping to substantially improve naval combat capabilities. This reflects the U.S.'s mindset in regard to arms sales and shatters criticism that the U.S. seeks to profit from arms procurement. It may not be looking at Taiwan's special defense budget and instead looking at its annual budget and whether it can afford operational maintenance. It would assess whether this procurement would benefit regional security and national defense. The researcher says that the U.S. takes demand and follow-up maintenance into consideration when approving arms sales. He says the government should increase the defense budget to improve the chances of procurement. Twelve recent arrivals to Taiwan tested positive for COVID on the last day of quarantine under the new shortened 10-day quarantine system. They were all asymptomatic and had CT values between 30 and 36.2, indicating old infections or the tail end of a current infection. The CECC says it will continue evaluating the possible risk to the community before coming to a decision shortening quarantines further to seven days. Let's hear from the CECC. The main thing for us to keep an eye on is the period after the end of our 10-day quarantines, when people go back into the community. Under the new rules introduced yesterday, they will have to take a rapid test on the 12th and 14th days after arrival in Taiwan. If there are people with longer incubation periods, that could present a risk to the community. Separately, the CECC says a ban on visiting hospitals and long-term care facilities in Taipei, New Taipei, Taoyuan and Kaohsiung may be lifted within the coming week or two. Mass rules are also expected to be loosened starting April 1st, with masks no longer required in open spaces while singing or during work activities. 
As Russia's invasion of Ukraine continues, a private Taiwan business has donated a shipment of drones to Ukraine's military. The 10 state-of-the-art drones are worth 1 million NT dollars, with no electronic tracking system installed. They'll be hard for Moscow to intercept. The drones will be sent to the war zone via special channels and used for peacekeeping and humanitarian purposes. Scholars say the gift represents Taiwan's solidarity with democracies around the world. An operator flies a drone high up into the sky, where it starts a broad-range survey of a target object on the ground. These drones will be donated to Ukraine via special channels to help its self-defense against the Russian invasion. In peacetime, drones have functions like landform surveillance and patrol. In wartime, they can also carry out reconnaissance, provide investigation and sentinel work, early warnings and so on. They can reduce the loss of military service people. We're watching Ukraine descend into war right now. Many families have been destroyed and we feel great grief. Drones are very convenient and portable. They can take off swiftly and they are an efficient transport system. They have played key roles in various different rescue operations. This Taiwanese drone manufacturer has stepped up to help, moved by Ukraine's plight. Ten drones, worth more than one million NT, will go to Ukraine's military to be used for peacekeeping, humanitarian and medical purposes. This drone has a flight time of 33 minutes and a maximum range of 11 kilometers, flying at top speeds of 96 kilometers per hour. We should unite and become an international collective to protect human rights. If we persevere and do not give up, justice will prevail. These unmanned vehicles can play a big role both in peacekeeping duties and in humanitarian assistance. This is what we can do right now, bearing in mind the whole international environment. This military scholar says the donation symbolizes Taiwan's solidarity with democracies worldwide. It's a sign that Taiwan will walk its talk to support democratic allies. Donghai University has announced details of a bold plan to bring Ukrainian students to Taiwan with significant bursaries. At first, the program will pay for 10 students to study at THU for four years with subsidies to make their life here easier. They will also get help to learn Chinese and find employment. Excitement is already growing at the school's international college where the scholars will be welcomed. Millions of refugees have fled the war in Ukraine in just a few weeks. Now, Donghai University has launched a pioneering program to help Ukrainians escape the war zone and study in Taiwan. The main subsidies include, first, full financial support for extraneous tuition fees, as well as a living expenses bursary. In the future, we will have some daily life assistance to help students find part-time work opportunities on campus, and the Chinese Language Center can offer free tuition in Mandarin. THU has offered 10 places with a combined bursary fund of 16 million NT over four years. Three departments in THU's international college will open their doors to Ukrainian scholars. The college's dean, James Sims, says the driver behind the program is Taiwan's exceptional warmth in humanity. Taiwan really is a warm, friendly place. It's our home. Taiwan can help, and THU can help too. The international college currently has students from 30 countries, but not yet from Ukraine. We spoke to one international student who says word is spreading about the program. 
I have a friend at THU who told me he has some friends in Ukraine. He thinks they should get out. He's going to tell them about this program. We will send a full program to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and recruit Ukrainian students through diplomatic channels. The university plans to send its program details to MOFA within three days. Once it is approved, they'll contact potential students as soon as possible, giving them a bright opportunity to escape the horrors of war and come to Taiwan with confidence. A government program offering migrant workers a pathway to permanent residency will launch in late April, according to Labour Minister. The program will allow migrant workers classified as intermediate skilled manpower to apply for residency after working in Taiwan for five years. They must also have a monthly salary of at least $50,500 or hold a Class B technical certificate. Though the plan is hoped to ease Taiwan's labor shortage, some say migrant workers may struggle to meet the requirements. Last year, Taiwan's economy grew by 6.28%, the biggest annual growth in 11 years. Orders for Taiwan-made products are plentiful and many firms are looking to expand. But amid falling birth rates and changes in the work environment, Taiwan is experiencing a labor shortage. Taiwan's economic growth is so fast and we have so many orders. There are so many jobs on offer, but there are some jobs that no local workers are willing to do. Migrant workers who've been here for a long time feel like they belong here. They are talent and we shouldn't let them leave and get taken by other countries. I hereby report to you that the policy will come into effect in late April. Labor Minister Xu Mingchun said starting late April, a government program would enter effect to create a pathway to permanent residency to migrant workers considered intermediate skilled manpower. Eligible applicants must have worked in Taiwan for at least five years and have either a monthly salary of at least 50,500 NT or have Class B technical certificates. The program hopes to address regulations that force migrant workers to leave Taiwan after a certain number of years working in the country. For workers in the industrial sector, the limit is 12 years in Taiwan. For those in social welfare, the limit is 14. For them, if they come to Taiwan as a migrant worker for so many years, they get used to life here and make a lot of friends. So of course they would like to be able to obtain permanent residency. The broker says that migrant workers in the manufacturing sector could have a chance at reaching the minimum salary threshold by doing overtime. But for caregivers whose salaries are generally low, making 50,500 NT per month over five years is no easy feat. To have a monthly salary of 50,500 NT over five years is not easy for caregivers. They make about 24,000 NT now, so going up to 50,500 NT is no easy feat. Almost 700,000 migrant workers live and work in Taiwan, mostly in caregiving, construction and manufacturing. Currently, the Ministry of Labor and the Ministry of Economic Affairs hope the path to permanent residency will allow migrant workers to stay and help relieve Taiwan's labor shortage. Food machinery firms say demand for automated equipment is high amid rising ingredient and labor costs. At the Taipei International Bakery Show, machinery makers report that more and more small and medium-sized bakeries are looking into automating their business. With higher outputs and lower recurring costs, machines are the way to go for many. The dough gets rolled by a machine and the black sesame filling goes in. Then each bun is sealed with 18 pleats. This other machine makes dumplings. Load on the wrappers and the machine will stuff and fold them for you. 
This fully automated equipment caught the attention of many prospective bakers. It's hard to hire employees. When it comes to salaries, there's just no way for you to meet their requests. Machines can increase output, and now ingredient prices and everything else is going up. If you pay your employees too little, they'll leave. With ingredient and labor costs on the rise, bakeries are facing increasing pressure to stay afloat. Many are looking into ways to cut costs and increase output by introducing automated equipment. Machinery makers say that amid the pandemic, these inventions can also reduce contamination risk from directly handling food. Many factories and food producers are looking to automate their production lines. We've seen orders go up by 20 to 30 percent for food machinery. Equipment makers say that the market for automated machines has shifted. In the past, most of the buyers were large food processing factories. But recently, more and more small and medium enterprises are looking to acquire machines. For example, using this bread maker, you can pour in flour into the machine, which will knead it into dough and portion it. All workers have to do is put the dough into the oven. Over an eight-hour workday, workers can make about 3,000 loaves of bread. But this machine can push output up to 10,000 loaves. Over the past few years, since we've had a labor shortage, there is high demand in the market. Medium-sized bakery owners have a need for these, especially amid the labor shortage. This machine can replace a huge amount of human labor. Amid rising inflation and the Ukraine-Russia war, flour prices have skyrocketed. Bakers and flour-based food makers say flour prices could go up further by 10 percent to 20 percent. They say that amid rising costs, every dollar invested must be put to good use. The price of wheat flour has shot up lately, hitting a 14-year high. In response, the Agriculture and Food Agency is proclaiming the merits of locally produced rice flour as a healthy, inexpensive alternative. A special stage at the Taipei International Bakery Show revealed all the ways you can use rice flour in home-baked goodies. It showcased the efforts of top chefs in an array of rice-based products. Rice flour replaces wheat flour and is beaten with eggs to produce a batter. It's poured into the pan and in just five minutes, a cherry taro pancake is ready. Black truffle is set off by coriander on a base of rice flour. The rice scone is a perfect combination of east and west. Chefs Wu Bincheng and Zhang Keqing compete to produce the most creative and delicious rice dish. Agriculture and Food Agency chief Hu Zhongyi showed off his skills as sous chef. The four-day Taipei International Bakery Show showcased 16 producers chosen by the Agriculture and Food Agency, who all make rice flour or rice-based products. Rice buns and cakes were just some of the many baked goodies on display. Taiwanese rice flour has excellent water retention but doesn't absorb too much oil, making it suitable for all kinds of home baking and desserts. Compared with wheat flour, it's more filling, giving 1.38 times the feeling of fullness. Rice flour doesn't contain gluten, so it's fine for celiacs. Most importantly, it contains plant proteins, 
We highly recommend everyone in Taiwan to use rice flour in their regular meals or when baking cakes and pastries. The global price of wheat flour has gone up recently, hitting a 14-year high. But Taiwanese rice flour prices are stable and supply is steady. The Agriculture and Food Agency is pushing consumers to choose rice flour and wants the food industry to switch to the less expensive ingredient too. The Food and Drug Administration will require menus and food packaging to indicate chemical additives and fat-injected meat in food sold to consumers. The regulation will come into effect on July 1st, and those failing to comply would face hefty fines. Starting July, a new regulation from the Food and Drug Administration will place new labeling requirements on meat products. Businesses selling processed meat products must indicate whether it is reconstituted meat or fat-injected meat on menus and packaging, which must also include a warning that the food must be cooked before eaten. Many restaurants and food producers inject fat into lean meat to improve texture in a procedure known as artificial marbling. Unknowing consumers may think it is naturally occurring fat and may be unaware that the fat-injected meat may also contain preservatives. Doctors warn that excessive consumption of such food products can be detrimental to health. Patients who suffer from high blood pressure, cholesterol and blood sugar and who eat excessive amounts of fat-injected meat are at a higher risk for heart disease. Additional processing can also introduce increased risk of microbial contamination in the meat, so it must be fully cooked before consumption. Hypermarkets and other places with tax registrations such as hotpot restaurants and other types of restaurants who don't use this kind of labeling could be fined between 30,000 NT and 3 million NT. If they use inaccurate labeling, they could be fined between 40,000 NT and 4 million NT. The FDA says that starting in July, businesses will also be required to list out which chemical additives and what type of fat was added to the meat products. The requirement is aimed at ensuring food safety, it said. The Taiwan Railways Administration and Japan's Shinano Railway signed a friendship agreement on March 26, 2018. The agreement established sister station status for two stations on the rail networks that share the same Chinese characters, Tianzhong in Taiwan and Tanaka in Japan. To celebrate the fourth anniversary of the agreement, the two railways company have teamed up to sell bento for a limited time. From March 18 to 27th, there will be 30 bento boxes sold each day. Let's hear from the railway companies. It's in line with the friendship between Shinano Railway and the Taiwan Railways Administration, as well as the fourth anniversary of the sister stations. Due to the pandemic this year, Japanese are unable to travel to Taiwan and Taiwanese are unable to travel to Japan. So we are cooperating with the TRA to promote co-branded bento boxes. We hope our friends in Taiwan can better understand Shinano Railways through food. Our passengers have a real soft spot for the co-branded bento boxes. Each time, without fail, there's a mad dash for them. They always sell out in no time. Long lines formed outside the sales booth on Friday, with people eager to try the exclusive bentos. Each bento offers chicken drumsticks braised with shinsu miso, paired with Taiwan-style duck, bringing together Japanese and Taiwanese flavors. Sized dishes of tamagoyaki and black beans share space with Taiwanese sweet potato and seasonal veggies. The whole meal is rounded off with Taiwanese pineapple cake for dessert. Now let's head to Neipu Township in Pingdong 
For a taste of classic Hakka cuisine, the noodle soup we're visiting has been in the township for over a century. They still serve up timeless dishes such as braised pork feet with Chinese angelica. Loyal customers have been coming for decades as four generations of the same family keep the tradition alive. Braised pork feet cook on a charcoal fire until soft and oozing with sweet juices. Besides pork feet, this restaurant prides itself on its homemade mincemeat sauce. Excess oils are drained away to reduce unnecessary calories. On your Kaohsiung rice noodles or silver needle noodles, a sprinkle of chopped shallots is a must. The garnish elevates the dish to an exquisite level. Even with no sign on the street, the restaurant attracts a constant stream of enthusiastic customers. Tables are piled high with classic Hakka side dishes such as tofu and peanut sauce. This simple, satisfying menu has been served here in Naipu for over a century. In my grandparents' day, the Japanese colonial era, they had a stall in the vegetable market where they did business. In the old days, they were making the Kaohsiung rice noodles themselves by grinding long-grain non-glutinous rice. Now the business has migrated from the market to a restaurant, and the fourth generation of the family is running the show. They still use a charcoal fire to get the braised pork feet to that perfect tender spot, just as their forebears did 100 years ago.